and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. International weekend is almost over and club football is back on the horizon. And a little meeting between the lads and Dr. Evil Stoke City is on the way. Now, things don't seem to be going too well for the Potters as we approach the weekend, but we have got someone to give us the full lowdown on exactly what's happening with the side we're going to face this weekend. It's the excellent David from Stoke City Podcast, Wizards of Drivel. David, it's been um, it's been a minute. How are you doing? You all right? I am not. I'm not too bad, Graham. Uh, thank you. Good. Um, I think normally we'd hold off on the good stuff and we'd hold it back and hold it back until the main talking point. But I can't be bothered. I just want to get straight to it. Um, been over a year since Alex Neal left Sunderland and joined Stoke. It appears things haven't gone that well with him. I read on your forum a thread that one Stoke fan said you should be backing him, and the guy replied saying, yes, I will back him, firstly into a wall and then into a wood chipper. So um, <laughs> how under pressure is he ahead of this weekend's game? Um, really under pressure. Uh, just table-wise, we are, I think, still hovering slightly above the relegation zone, thanks to the absolute dross that is in the relegation zone, largely. Um, after a, a exciting transfer window, an exciting summer, um, an exciting first game of the season where we tank Rotherham 4-1. We think, right, here we go. Everything's coming up Stoke now. Watch us go. Here we go. And it's a pile of shit. Um, the, the players we've signed haven't been that bad. So I don't think it's necessarily a recruitment issue. It's Alex Neal tactics issue that has really, really held us back, I think, in a lot of these games. Um, for a side that has... I think at the moment, two fit defenders and one of them is Kieran Clark signed in a blind panic. Um, We do set up awfully defensively for a team that sold its only left wing back. We seem to be playing three, five, two quite a bit Um, for a team that um, has no kind of focal point. We do seem to hit it long to the, medium-sized man quite a bit and so there's a bit of a kind of I don't know how we thought of that uh, thing like I imagine like my colleagues who are maths teachers if they're marking a paper and they see see uh, see someone's put two plus two is five I, I guess they must wonder how have you actually thought of that? How how has the process worked in your head for you to come up with that answer? And that is what Alex Neal is giving me right now. Just I don't understand like the the logic behind the behind the tactics. Ne- never mind just the, the the tactics aren't working. It's they don't seem to make any sense whatsoever. Um that being said, there has been some bright spots this season. We uh, we didn't have a game last week, for one. That was good. Um, we had a local lad score the winner in a away win at Bristol City. That was nice. And uh, this is my first Stoke season for about 20 years without a season ticket. That's also worked out pretty good for me as well. So, um, yeah, th- th- there are bright spots. So before Sunderland fans start dancing on Alex Neal's managerial grave too much, you know, consider the fact that we will still go to the stadium of light and tank you, regardless of what of what's of how good you are at the moment. Yeah, it, it does feel like that a little bit. Um, because that game last season, total anomaly in the entire season for both teams, really. But yeah, I think I was gonna say, you know, looking at your last two games, yeah, you've lost the last two, but look, I'm gonna reiterate that. They were against Southampton and Leicester. I know we beat Southampton 5-0, I know, but they're a good team. But <laughs> 
Is there any positive in the last two games? Because they are difficult position. Look, it's not easy to play them two teams back to back. Um, I guess that what we've we feared, we feared an absolute absolute pace in at Leicester, right? We feared that our threadbare defence would get absolutely torn apart. I mean, they have basically got a Premier League squad. Um, they've got more or less the same team they came down with, and. You know, it's it sounds really pathetic to say at least it was only two, but it could have been a lot worse. We were playing a central midfielder at centre half. We were playing a central midfielder at right back. Um, maybe Leicester took pity on us, but you know what? Things could have been worse from that point of view. And I guess there's been brief flashes of things, but they they have they have been brief. So like um he's Brought Nathan Lowe into the side, who's a local lad, scored that winner against Bristol City. Um, Bay Jun Ho is a really exciting uh, Korean midfielder. He's shown flashes of stuff. We've got Andre Vidigal potentially coming back soon, and he was the the real standout player from our start of the season. So, and if I'm going to defend him a little bit, injuries have really screwed him as well. Key injuries, key players, worst parts of the season. Uh, sorry, bad times of the season as well. Um, I do have some sympathy in that regard. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, not getting beaten six nil is really is really something I was clinging to from a couple of weeks ago. I have had a look at the forum. I have listened to your most recent podcast that wonderfully named fifty two percent of our goals have came against Rotherham. I think when I'm looking at Neil itself, when I've looked at your forms and stuff like that, I'm, you kind of half expect like a 70-30 is what I expected against Alex Neil, and it was more of a 90-10. Now, mm. I'm going to reiterate because this podcast recorded podcast of how much I loved Alex Neil at Sunderland, his personality, his tactics, everything about him. And when he left, I was gutted. Obviously, it's worked out, but I'm really surprised it hasn't worked out from its stoke. I think, you know, maybe last season you could say, okay, he's going to be in charge two, three months. But it's now over a year. I think it's fair to say so far it really hasn't worked out for him. I know that there's a long-winded answer to this and you can't really pinpoint it. But in your opinion, why hasn't it really worked out for Alex Neal at Stoke? Um, I think there's an extent to which like Stoke serves as a kind of confessional for players as well as managers, by which I mean they go to Stoke, they confess the, their sins, they absolve themselves of the sins, but whilst at Stoke, they are still very much um, paying the price for that. And once they leave Stoke, they are absolved of their sins and they go off to do brilliant things. So I have no doubt that when Alex Neil leaves, he will go and do a fine job at wherever he ends up. Just as, you know, Jack Clark comes to us, is mayor, and then goes off and take, takes the league, league apart. And there's plenty of other players who've like come to us on loan or for a season a bit, who've just gone off and um, you know, sense that sort of freedom, like a a prisoner being released, like, oh my God, I don't have to be in Stoke anymore. You know, it's fine. Um, there's a little bit of that Stokeness about us, like Nathan Jones, Gary Rowett, Michael O'Neill, Michael O'Neill less so, but that, you know, managers come to us with decent reputations and everything kind of explodes. Nothing really works the way it should. It's just a bit kind of scattergun. And it's not like there's just... A, a thing you can immediately point to. You can say, oh, it's the players. It's the chairman. Everyone always makes a point if the chairman backs them as much as they can. Um, uh, there's been different things at different times for different managers, but there's just a kind of vibe we've got, which is um, 
right, we'll start the season well, we'll sign some exciting players, we'll think about a playoff push, 16th. And that's just kind of, that's been it since we've come down. With regard to like Neil specifically, like, I... I understand like we've we signed 15 players over the summer and they won't have all been like Alex Neal signings because we've got a head of recruitment who's bought players from like all four corners of the globe essentially. And so there'll be a little bit of him perhaps not really knowing these players. Having said that, he's still signed like Daniel Johnson and Lyndon Gooch, so guys he does know well. Um so I the the squad overhaul I I can accept as a possible explanation for some of this season, but even then, I think it's I think he shows teams too much respect. I think he's too reactive to what other teams are doing. He he treats every game as if we're kind of a newly promoted side rather than a particularly in our home games the favourites or you know, a team with ambitions to be higher up the league. And I think that's what perhaps might have um, been good for him at Sunderland in League One, because you were obviously one of the biggest teams in that league. You obviously had a better place than a lot of those teams. So he didn't need to kind of be that cautious necessarily. And also you kind of needed the results for a promotion push anyway. Um, and when you came up, I know it wasn't that long before we eventually snapped him up but even then you're kind of like um, you're perhaps more suited to being the underdog in those early games perhaps uh, and so I don't think he kind of he it sounds strange but he doesn't quite know where Stokes level is I'm not sure if he sees us as a playoff contender or a relegation candidate because he's he, he sets us up kind of like neither it's like oh god just let's just stop the opposition whether it's Huddersfield or Leicester. Let's just oh, let's just try this. Looking back, we discussed this, um, and I know this is Alex Neil heavy, but if he expected anything different, listeners, then you obviously on another planet. Um, I think you know, looking back when Alex Neil went, I was really like I say, really gutted. Um, it's completely worked out with Tony Mowbray and stuff like that. And there's, there's no way I'd want it to be any other way now, like a year and a bit on. But I think the consensus from Sunderland fans was that he went to Stoke for, for money. But there was also that, mm. um, there was also that caveat that he went to Stoke because he didn't want to work under a head of recruitment. We obviously signed players under the age of 24. We have, as we call it, quote unquote, the model. Stoke didn't have that. He'd have more silver transfers. But you touched on it there, and I noticed during the summer, like he's not in charge of transfers or, or, or whatnot. It's kind of a very similar model, which allegedly he didn't like at Sunderland. Now looking back at why he took the job, can you see the reasons why he took it? Um, it's 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 hard to square what he says in public with perhaps what the real motivation was, which I think we can all agree is is almost certainly money, perhaps perhaps money to spend as well. Like um, I think we've got one of the richest owners in the, in the country, never mind the league, but at the same time, FFP kind of limits us in that regard. So we've had to be kind of more canny with our recruitment than previously. Um, I feel like the way the club spoke at the start of the season. Now there's, there's pro- 
it was a famous, well, probably infamous now in Stoke Circles video where Alex Neal visits a pub in one of the six towns and uh, they ask him about, you know, you're working with the head of recruitment now, like how how is everything going on that front? And he, he the club made a real point of stressing like where yeah, everyone's working hand in hand, everyone's kind of working properly as a team. He's, he's not just kind of, you know, having players dropped on him saying deal with that kind of thing. I still get the sense that might be happening a little bit. I'm not. I'm not sure his knowledge of um, the Korean league, for example, is is going to be absolutely stellar. But they they were really stressing at the start of this season, like um, you know, the 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 kind of uh, unanimity between Neil uh, Jared Dublin, who's our kind of recruitment guy, and our um, I, I forget these stupid titles now, but like operational recruitment guy um um so i think alex neil would like i don't think he'd mind the current setup we've got at all if he was winning games fundamentally so i think if he does go if he is sacked soon then i can see him complaining about that on like some mediocre podcast where he's you know Oh, they they wanted to buy all these foreigners, and you know it didn't work out. I can see him using that as an excuse, um, but at the same time, like that's the way football's going, and you kind of have to adapt or die a little bit. And at the same time, as I said before, he's still got Daniel Johnson, he's still got Lyndon Gooch, he's still got players who clearly he wanted as well. So it's not all just being like um, Alex Neil kind of getting what he's given. Yeah, I think you summed it up quite well, to be honest. Um... But ironically, like one of his better moments came last season at the Stadium Light, which we touched on. You beat us 5-1. We were nowhere at it. The team, your team that day, looked like an Alex Neal technical mastermind. He knew exactly how we'd set up, what we do. And you were like, oh, well, maybe, you know, it is going to work out from its stoke. And, you know, we've had a bad day. We need to move on. But it, it hasn't really changed after. It's like you set up for that one game and knew how to win it. So... You know, what happened that day and, and why, in your opinion, has he not been able to replicate that? Because you played really well that day. We can't really hide it. Yeah, I think either because of that game or leading up to that game, um, we had an incredible march where we had the briefest like glimmer of um, a playoff push where we uh, we beat Blackburn at home. We were absolutely smashing them to pieces off the park. We beat you guys away, obviously, and we beat Coventry away, who were playoff contenders 4-0 as well. We were we were absolutely blowing teams to pieces. And it was like we had Josh Lauren, Ben Pearson, who were still there now, still playing, but seemed like completely different players, and uh, Will Smallbone, who's doing all right for Southampton. And they were just absolutely smashing teams to pieces in that midfield, you know, um, particularly against you guys. It was just like, oh my God, these these three lads are just like charging around. They're, they're, they're not the most technically proficient footballers by any stretch, but they're absolutely just in everyone's faces. They're going in for tackles and they're just creating things for um, either the wing backs as it was or the front three to, to create stuff. And the team this season for some reason, which I, again, I can't quite pinpoint, just seems a little bit more cowed, a little bit more timid. And it's just like these, Josh Lauren, like towards the end of last season was like, you know, Billy Big Bollocks, you know, look at me, I'm scoring goals and, you know, making challenges. We appointed him captain and now, and now he's like, he goes missing on the pitch. And 
it's the same system. We're still more or less playing the same system. Um, the personnel we had to replace because it was either loans and we need to get players in. Um, but there hasn't been like a huge transfer departure that we've think, oh God, we really miss so and so. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit kind of lost as to what's happening. I think, I think he do, he still doesn't know his best team. And in that March period, it felt like he did. It felt like he kind of clicked onto what his best team is. And now what's not going to happen this season is him being given until March to work out what his best team is. So the difference with last season was it wasn't his set of players. So, you know, it was kind of, let's just plod on by till the end of the season. And so he's really got to find this team quick. Otherwise he is toast. One of the players that played last year and was a big signing in the summer, didn't score for ages. Then, of course, Dwight Gale, former of them lot, comes and scores two of his three entire goals at the Stadium of Light. So I thought, I wonder how he's got on because I haven't heard much of him. I thought, I wonder, and I looked and he's fallen off a cliff. He's, ba- he's barely featured. What? Where's Dwight Gale? Is he a thing? Um, yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Like, um, obviously, hilarious that he scored two against you, but... Um, what like we were we even at the age he is, I think we signed him at what 32, perhaps. Um, even at the age he is, we thought, yes, championship goal scorer. You know, you look up championship goal scorer in a dictionary, picture of Dwight Gale, there he is. Um, and it just wasn't happening. It was either the system we played meant there weren't enough chances in the penalty area, but even then the chances there were so many offsides there were so many chances he skied over the bar it was like it's this it's this stoke thing i mentioned earlier of dwight gale will probably have like a season or two left in his career where he goes to another championship club score 15 a season uh, but but for us he's just he's just like he 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 brought him on with 10 minutes to go in a game against huddersfield i was just like what are you doing um he's like you must have been there before where there's certain players you just see come off the bench and your heart kind of sinks a bit like, oh, he's just not doing it. He's just not, it's just not going to happen. And I, I don't want to like pick on him because I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but I just, I just want him to, to not be a thing. I'd, if you're going to bring on someone who's got a very little chance of scoring off the bench, at least be a young lad who might grow into... Funny you mentioned Dwight Gale and everything he said after there. Just I was just hearing Will Grigg from a Sunderland perspective. Like, scored goals beforehand, makes total sense. You spent decent money on him. He's going to bag at least 10 goals. Shite. <laughs> Crap. <Yeah. laughs> but he had a chant though, so... Well, yeah. I've discussed a man we don't like a lot. Um, but there's one man that joined you that we really, really like. He was at Sunderland for about 54 years and left in the summer. <laughs> um, everyone at Sunderland likes Lyndon Gooch and at the very least respects him. He's only played six games. You can't really make that judgment on him. But what have you made of, of Gucci so far? Yeah, I really like him so far. Um, I went to the game away at Huddersfield where he was deployed as a right wing back. Um, hmm, not sure what year. Is, is that is that generally his position or is what would you say? Right wing back, proper right back? Gucci's been all over. He's, he started off as a right winger. He's played left wing. He's played in number 10. But I would say, and this is only my opinion, but I think some Sunderland fans would agree, the best football Gucci ever played for Sunderland was at right back when Alex Neal was here. Nice. Okay. Um, but I, I just like him because he's a, he's a, just a proper grafter. He just absolutely will not. 
give anything less than uh, such a cliche. Give anything less than hundred percent. Um, but yeah, he just he just seems so committed in absolutely everything that it's hard not to like him so far. Um, question marks over just you know final ball and things, but you know very much the least of our problems and and very much um, a player who, given how makeshift our defense has been, a player we've sort of come to rely on in these last six games. Um, as 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 badly as we've played in these last six games, I don't think anyone's criticised Gooch that much at all, really. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like him, and uh, I hope he he can uh, kick on for us. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one seeing Gucci in red and white stripes, but not ours because yeah. he's been here since like pretty much before he was born. Like he's been here <laughs> since he was eleven. So I think everyone, well, everything you described about. Gucci there is exactly what we came to expect with him, even down to the final ball thing, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on the the change in transfers. There's someone, the incomings, outgoings. I mean, I, I stopped counting like when I looked at the transfers because it looked like 20 in, 20 out, and I don't think I'm that far off. Um, have any of those incomings had a, a positive impact? Yeah, well, the uh, the the best, most exciting one is got injured for the last five or six games and that's Andre Vidigal Portuguese winger scored two opening day against uh, Rotherham scored the winner against Watford just a really really um, skillful talented winger who uh, I think if he gets a run of games a lot of championship crowds are going to absolutely despise as well because he, he just seems like he's like this kind of cheeky kind of Ronaldo-esque kind of attitude, like rolls around a little bit, you know, a bit kind of flash kind of playmaker figure. So so he would be the standout. Um, I think uh, Bei Jun-ho is a, like a really, really promising young player. Um, we've only seen in sort of patches, but I really like him. Um, uh, then after him, it's kind of a mixed bag because Travers in goal has been really good because uh, last season we were playing Jack Bonner, who is just pony, just not a great goalkeeper. Um, so having an actual goalkeeper this time is good. Ender Stevens started the season really well. Very good, solid championship player, injured. Uh, Wesley, I, I kind of like, he's not going to score a load of goals this season, but he is, at the very least, absolutely huge. And <laughs> you can't take that away from him. Um uh, um, yeah, there's a, we seem to have signed six or seven wingers as well. Like Chiquinho, we had to send back to Wolves straight away because he was defective or something. But um, we've signed Mehdi Leris, who's a Algerian, I think, and Haksabanovic on loan from Celtic, who I would say is probably probably the standout winger outside of Vidigal because um, he's come up with a couple of goals. He's really tricky and he's one of these fully committed you know, uh, Eastern European players who not only show skill, but you feel like he's he's kind of he's quietly angry all the time, which is a, a, a nice uh, quality to have. I think. Yeah, it is similar to me. Um, I don't want to swing back round to him, but I'm going to swing back round to him. I was looking at your fixtures because I was looking at obviously the Leicester game, the, the Southampton game. He, he pulled it back in one from two 0 down against Bristol City, and I, I'll be honest, I remember looking at that going. Ah, he's gone. The guy beat up Bristol City, he's gone. And then he pulls it back and then he loses against Leicester, he loses against Southampton, and you think, well, all right, fair enough. So it's a big game. But 
how big is the game in the context of his future considering following us you've got Leeds and Middlesbrough yeah the thing about our owners is they're kind of loyal to a fault almost I think Nathan Jones went quite a while after he should have gone Gary Rowett definitely went way uh long after he should have gone. Mark Hughes went probably a season and a half after he should have gone. So, you know, we've got we've got previous for kind of giving managers too long. And I think they they will say, look, uh, let's say we lose to you guys, Leeds and Middlesbrough, or only pick up between one and three points. They will say, look, we've had Southampton, Leicester, Sunderland, Leeds and Middlesbrough back to back those are an incredibly tough run of fixtures and they might even give him till January regardless. I don't know. A lot will depend on the manner of these games. And if we go down against you guys or Leeds, how, you know, how do we go down? So that's, um, it's gonna, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens. Cause I think let's say we go down early to you guys, couple of goals in the first 10 minutes or so I think it could be like just super toxic in the stadium like when when we when we are on it when we have the knives up for a manager we can go full Everton you know quite a lot and just and just get that nasty and vicious we invaded the pitch once um, against uh, the owners because we lost the game 7-0 and I'm feeling like and they were the same owners we have now, but that was in 1998. So I feel like there's a kind of second coming of the 1998 anti-owner pitch invasion on the horizon somewhere if uh, this this dross continues. So it will be interesting. I don't know what will happen. My sense is we will pick up some point somewhere and muddle on through to 16th and everything will be as it was. I was going to say we've all felt that Every football fan across the country has felt a moment where, like, a manager's just gone too far. Like, I think, like, up here, Rangers, Michael Beale, it was like, ah, some voices of discontent. Then it got beef Aberdeen, and it was like, no, get him out. That's it. Yeah. 100% of the fan base. I said before, it felt like your forum was 90 10, but look, forum's not always a forum. Twitter is never like a good barometer of anything. Yeah. How close is he to that 100%? Right, just I've had enough. I think. Um, I'll t- t- tell you what would be cathartic for you guys if you guys came and won 5-1 I think you'd be gone within minutes um, if you came and scabbed a 1-0 then possibly we'd see after Leeds if we I think I think it's not yeah I think it's like if, if we get an absolute hiding somewhere then he's gone I, I, I'm not sure it's necessarily the results it's what are you showing us now? I think in a way, the kind of, I, I was going to say the kind of free hits, they're not free hits, but, you know, if if he, you know, just defends and just plays cautiously and only loses 1-0, he might, he might be better off than, <laughs> than you're trying to win, than getting battered. I, I would not want to be in his position because I think <laughs> whatever he does, we're probably going to lose. And he's probably going to be out within a couple of months. Um, yeah. I don't know, is the answer. We're a stupid club. We have been for years. <laughs> stupid. Looking at 
the game itself. There'll be every Sunderland fan listening to this, right? And they, people always tell me this when they listen to the preview show. They don't like fans that feel pessimistic about the game because immediately it goes the other way. And I think you look at the fact that, you know, last time we played here, he wasn't doing that well from the outside looking in. We were playing really well. And then it was 5-1. So it feels, this weekend just feels really dicey for me because, as you said, it is almost like a free hit. But we do come into the game, five wins out of the last seven, I think. We did get trashed off Middlesbrough, though, last game. From what you've seen of Sunderland, how are you viewing the game coming forward on Saturday? Like, what, what do you expect to happen if we can look into a crystal ball, which seems impossible with Sunderland versus Stoke? So, you know, Jack Clark's obviously having a having a belt in season. Uh, you've got, you know, young Job, really exciting player. You're scoring goals. You're you're picking up good results um it's we I, I like i'm not saying this to go you know just as you said there play the part of like a sort of oh pessimistic fan kind of thing but that 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 5-1 last season was like lightning in a bottle that's never happening again i i, I don't care how you know what mystical powers um he's got Alex Neil, but there's no way that happens twice. Uh, I think you guys come here full of, you know, you know, you've got revenge on your minds from last season. You can you can really really stick the knife in this time. I think I think you come and you, you score three goals and you win. I take that because I'm going and I have to get up really early in the morning, but. I was going to ask a prediction there. I think you've given. Are you going three nil or three one or three two? Um, I think, I think three one. I think we will take the lead. And no, no. Do I think that? No, I don't think that at all. I think I think we'll go three nil down very early doors, and make a sort of really piss weak comeback uh, attempt at a comeback right late on. But by the end, you're just kind of olaying it round us. I don't think I've ever done this, but I think I'm going to agree with your prediction. I don't know if I'll predict the same game, but I'm going to go in this week confident, even though technically actually my head's not that confident, but it's kind of shrouded in the, the last season. But um, before I do let you go, David, now I, I'd say this to a few guests and I genuinely mean it. I do listen to your podcast because it is quite funny. And from a Sunderland perspective, it is cathartic. <laughs> yeah. It is cathartic. And I want to tell you it's not, but it is. And there will be Sunderland fans, if we win, that want to tune in and, and listen to your thoughts on it. If they were to do so and we were to win, which might not happen, but it might, where can they find you? Yeah, I think Sunderland fans have made up like kind of two thirds of our listenership for the last year or so. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Apart from that apart from that obvious one time, I think Sunderland fans were, were tuning in in their thousands. Didn't um, listen to that yes. episode, I've got to be honest. <laughs> so we yeah uh, so it's wizards of drivel on all the podcasting things spotify apple podcasts all basically everywhere that does a podcast we're we're on it as wizards of drivel um uh, we're on the um oh god whatever that idiots renamed it x we're on <laughs> x it feels weird to say uh, at Wizards of Drivel as well. Um, so yeah, if you want to, oh yeah, if you want to send us a gloating um, uh, kind of voice note after you inevitably thrash us, uh, speakpipe.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel. You can just leave a voice note on there and you can just kind of mock us from afar. That, and we're perfectly open to that. We're perfectly open to being just laughed at. Uh, so 
you can be on the podcast as well as uh, listen to it as well. So, um, yeah, that's us in our little misery misery den on a Sunday. <laughs> I would never do that to you, David, but uh, some other people might if we win. But thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining me. Good to catch up. And I mean, really no good to catch up for a multiple of reasons, but good to see you doing well, kind of. <laughs> no worries.